Hi, you've reached the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Please leave a message. This is Donald J. Trump. I'm really looking forward to today's podcast with your great, great guest, Carl Dieter. What a guy. Superb guy. Great supporter of mine. Wonderful guy. I love your country. I love Carl Dieter. Carl, tell it like it is. Yes, hello, Mario. This is Pascal Donahue. Really looking forward to today's podcast with Carl Dieter. And as you know, the government has today published its extensive housing plan um, where we have made um, conditions uh, for 300,000 homes to be made available. I know that Carl has been critical in the past of our policies. So for the love of God, would you just give us a bleeding break, would you? For once in your Shagging life. Just leave us alone, okay? I've got Leo, Marion Gate, Sapone, I've got Coveney, Jesus. I just need a shagging break, okay? So just give us a... F- you know what I'm saying, Mario, okay? Just thanks very much. Thank you. Well, as you just heard Pascal Donoghue say on a voicemail to my podcast, uh, yes, the government have released a housing plan. And in a kind of a coincidental turn of fate, my guest today is a very familiar voice on TV and radio on that very subject. Carl Dieter is constantly invited onto the media because he is what you might call a dream guest. Very intelligent, very eloquent. Crucially, he's not afraid to hold and express an opinion that may be a little unpopular or controversial. And I guess that's why I like him. But my conversation with Carl on this episode is a very different one than you might be used to hearing on these shows. Yes, we touch on a couple of the big issues, as I mentioned, um, the housing issue, which is very important, and U.S. politics, which is also very important. But also, we get deep and personal with Carl, talking about his Tourette syndrome and the impact that that's had, negative and positive, on his life, Um, and why he loves controversial comedians, and why the middle, as he calls it, uh, can be the best place to be. It stopped me from getting mugged when I was catching the train late at night in downtown Chicago. How? People How? This up. Who's going to try and mug a guy who's sitting in the corner twitching away? You know, just like <laughs> fucking. <laughs> I'll give that one a fucking pass over. <laughs> you know, you get through some pretty dark times when you get bullied, and it can be very difficult. And, and, and you know, you, you can be in a place where you just don't want to even be alive. But when you come out the other side, you are literally made of steel. There is mm. almost nothing that makes me flap anymore. And there's no one is meeting in the middle anymore. And you know what? As a, a firm centrist, that's the great tragedy of it. We're not having conversations. We just have grenade throwing competitions between people. And all that does is end up with, you know, obliteration and people even more ingrained in whatever they fucking believed the, when they walked into the room. But I would sometimes make jokes about him that would be, you know, racially motivated. And he would make jokes about my Twitch. And there's an intimacy to it that we knew because it came from a place of respect and love that that's okay. We were laughing just two minutes ago about me having Tourette's Mm. and you were able to make jokes about it. And I'm laughing with you. You have to be able to laugh at that stuff because it is funny. As you can hear, there's some great stuff coming up in my chat with Carl, including some interesting phone calls from people that want to have a word with Carl. People like George Hook, Matt Cooper and even Miriam O'Callaghan. Thanks, as ever, to Curry's PC World, of course, for their ongoing support for the podcast. And, of course, thanks to you for subscribing, following, rating, reviewing 
and emailing me at mariorosenstock at gmail.com. Thanks a million for those emails. Um, I, they're really, really well received and I read them all um, and I'm getting back to as many as I can. And as you know by now, as a loyal listener, you get brand new comedy every week exclusive to this podcast. This week, well, I guess, apart from the housing crisis and the housing plan, everybody was back to school. I know that was a great source of relief in my house. And even podcasters, podcasters who I love and admire around me, have been on that very theme, including one of my favourites, Blind Boy Boat Club. Back to school, said the masked booby. Do you know what a masked booby is, lads? It's a bird. A seafaring bird. Not to be confused with the blue-faced booby. That's a subspecies. I love boobies. Do you know why I love boobies? They're a gorgeous. They're food. To feed their young. The small boobies. They fly away for the summer and return with their necks full to the brim to feed their baby boobies. They basically throw up all over their children. Back to school we go. Like little boobies. While Mrs. Fogarty consumes Skoshkelta and then throws up all over us and we in turn, regurgitate that back out in June so that we can grow into adult masked boobies. Would you like to buy me a cup of coffee? Then regurgitate the contents of your debit card into my podcast and become Blind by booby. Tommy and Hector were also talking about going back to school. Tommy, Tomas, Tomas, oh, we, we were in school together. That's right, Hector. Oh, Vimy, their skull, the Kayla school. That's right. On yeah. we'll get a gum dull. Good day, Alaris. I, I, I always thought that there was licorice they were talking about. I always thought it was licorice that people go to the licorice and nobody would come back with any licorice at all. Licorice? Nobody, no. Ah, do you remember geography, Tommy? I fucking oh, hated geography. Christ, I, I love geography. geography. Irish place names. Jesus, what the crack we had oh. out of that scoper. The, the, the bohola. Bohola, yeah. Muff. Yeah. Nabar, Bastard's Town, Fanny's Town, Hackball's Cross. <laughs> Hackball's Why? Cross! Why do you like place names so much, Hector? Why? And we got two years of podcast out of it, Tommy! Fucking we have! Ole, ole, ole! And of course, David McWilliams. Ready to go, John? Yeah, just start off with the back to school stuff. Roger that. Yep. <laughs> Well, how are you doing, me old Sagosha? John, me old slice of life. Back to school. Dave, what? Dave. I remember me old school. Me old shack of an old prefab. Jesus. With the rain dropping onto your plastic bag. Oh. And me down the back smoking butts with rashers O'Shaughnessy David. before the brother would come down and knock the bollocks David. off you. So- David, what? you went to Blackrock. Okay, now just stay in your lane and give them what they want. Economics. Economics is like school. We have the Minister for Finance, the Moon Tour. We also have the Kikara, the Inspector, the IMF. Spot on. 
<laughs> so now it's time for the main event, my conversation with Carl Dieter. I know you're going to love this one, so make sure you've got the next 40 minutes to yourself. Get comfortable and enjoy the chat. So, Carl, I often start by asking my guest um, if there's anything at the moment they want to get off their chest, if there's anything that's grinding their gears, as they say. Um, so what about you? I am about to lose my ever-living mind with the commentary around the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan at the moment, in particular the attacks on Joe Biden. He's a good president, a good guy. He's doing the right thing. And everybody wants America to be, you know, Team America, World Police. They complain when they're in there. And then when they leave, it's as if they're committing the biggest war crime ever. And you know what? It's a war that the U.S. shouldn't have been in. And I'm sorry if the people in Europe don't like it. They can go and jump in there if they want. But the U.S. absolutely needs out of there. And, and, you know, to, to go after Biden on this is just, I don't even know. Like in America, you could say it's partisanship. I don't know what you describe the European uh, reaction to it, because the truth is, I don't believe Europe can be trusted. They'd be sucking up to Putin if left to their own devices, the way that Germany already does. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Carl, because um, this kind of Afghanistan um, issue now has kind of dominated our lives for the last three or four weeks. And especially since the scenes came out of Kabul airport with the people hanging off the planes and everything. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's something to do with silly season, but it's kind of dominated our news cycle um, for the last three weeks. And okay, as a person who's only reasonably well informed on these issues, but not very well informed, I've kind of been asking myself the question. I mean, the US troops are, you know, occupying countries all over the world. Two and a half thousand troops are, were the maximum amount that were in Afghanistan towards the end. Why are people now obsessed with them pulling out? I, th- I think just the, the, the horrific human tragedy that's unfolding is really making people say, wow, you know, maybe there was some sense in being there. Personally, I was never in favor of, of the Gulf War or the war in Afghanistan, for that matter. Uh, it, it, they were always bad choices in my mind. And, in, and the fact that the Taliban were reestablished so quick shows shows a couple of maybe uncomfortable truths first is that maybe they're the natural rulers in that country maybe they are the regime that people underneath always wanted and there could be another uncomfortable truth which is that the people who were working with america uh you know were quite despised by their fellow countrymen and that's why even the army uh, that, that outnumbered the taliban by like five and six to one just instantly folded once uh the u.s was it wasn't there it's uh, it's quite telling. People say, well, you know, they had to go into Afghanistan. They had to go after Osama bin Laden. Bin Laden was caught in Pakistan, you know, and, and the fact is the Afghans, like the Taliban is going to end up with support from their neighbors. And the reason is simple. You take the likes of Pakistan. Pakistan will, will back whoever's in power because that's how you maintain peace. You work with whoever is in control and you make a deal with them. You know, do Pakistan have great relationships with Afghanistan? Well, if I said to you, Mario, think of a country that has a 1,600-mile uh, massive fence to keep the other side out to prevent drug smuggling and human trafficking, you'd probably start to think, oh, that's USA, Mexico. It's not. That's Pakistan and Afghanistan. You know, so there's incredibly complex relationships over there. Uh, there's an incredibly complex geopolitical situation. But to distill it all down into, oh, America bad, Europe good, mm. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that is just, it's just a shocking oversight. Now, you know, Donald Trump got impeached for making a phone call to the Ukraine. Joe Biden has actually left Americans stranded. And so I, I think both of the most recent presidencies are, are going to struggle under the the history of what they're letting unfold while they're in control. Mm. But it, it well, just this- cracks me up. 
the way that everyone is. <laughs> and this brings me back to this brings me back to an interesting point because you used to appear on the um, on the Sunday Roast radio show, and one of the reasons you appeared on the show was at a time when you know Trump was practically universally unpopular in this country and indeed around Europe and um, even to a large extent in America. You decided to, I asked you to do this, to play devil's advocate and to come on the show and to be an apologist for Donald Trump. This is not to say that you were a supporter or that you liked Donald Trump, but that in in a sense, you were a supporter of some of his policies. And um, well, sorry, would that be true to say, first of all, Carl? Um, well, the thing is, Donald Trump's personal, you know, uh, actions actually will always outweigh the 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 solutions and the good things that happened under his presidency and, and if you ask someone to name like three good things that happened under donald trump they wouldn't be able to name it you know but there was a lot of good things that had been happening you know there, there'd been a lot of good things happening in the economy you know even the, the the delivery of covid vaccines while everyone wants to say no no he had nothing to do with it he was the one who put operation warp speed into action you know it, it, he was the one who had uh who, who had turned around and told the Europeans to start pulling their weight when it came to, you know, the world policing. And if anything, the fall apart in Afghanistan shows yet again that Europe isn't fit for purpose when it comes to that, even though the European project, I firmly believe in it. But I believe in the American dream. I believe in what America has to offer the world. And I certainly, certainly get very uncomfortable with the anti-American sentiment that is rife everywhere, while meanwhile our politicians are meeting up with, you know, uh, Chinese uh, ensembles and 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 currying favor with them, and this is the same place that has two million ethnic Uyghurs in, in in captivity, and they're you know they're they're being stopped from having future ability to reproduce. They're they're being reprogrammed. I mean, does anyone even know what 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 that fully entails? So we've got this real broken world view where it's like, oh well, some bad people are good because like they suit our purpose and sure you're never going to change them. So they can just go be a mad whore themselves and hmm. don't bother with that. But with America, you know, oh geez, we hold them to a higher standard. And in fact, uh, you know, I saw a really good clip, one of the talk show hosts the other night, and he just laid it out flat. He's like, we sit around bitching about this place. You are in like this is the, the, a, a wonderful place to be. If you want to see misery, go, go live in Yemen, go live in Afghanistan, go try some of these places. You know, we just have this really strange relationship where, you know, it, 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 it's like someone who doesn't say the right things is the worst person in the world. But someone who actually oversees the death of thousands of people, as long as they maintain that outward facade of respectability, they're OK. Absolutely, Carl. And that's a very interesting point. And um, might I be so bold as to uh, wonder who it is that you saw saying that the other night? Because I think I saw um, a clip of Bill Maher. Actually, that's exactly um, who it was. It was that's Bill who Maher. It was. I, I saw the same. Um, I saw the same show as you, and it was an interesting show. And it goes back to something I've been saying. I I often said about Ireland as well, which applies to America, and that's it. That's that we are so used to bitching about our own country and saying what a hellhole we live in and what an undemocratic um, sort of madhouse we live in and what a corrupt sort of gombean territory we sort of inhabit. And we go, you know, you hear people going, Jesus, I couldn't wait to get out of here or emigrate or this is the last place I'd want to live or I pity anybody who lives here. And then you'd sort of think, really, really, would you prefer to be a Uyghur living in China? Would you prefer to be living in Yemen? 
Would you prefer to be living in Burundi? Would you prefer to be one of the 5% in Africa who only have electricity or running water? Would you prefer to be living in that area? Um, maybe when push comes to shove, we don't have it that bad here. Yeah. Yeah, no, when I hear people go on with that stuff, my first reaction is, you know what you bollocks think, go. Like, oh, I could never stay in Ireland, you know, bloody awful. Well, then go. And, and not only that, don't stay in touch with, with me after you leave because you're a pain in the hole. And that kind, of like, that kind of general pain in the hole attitude of everything is shite, you know, nothing is good enough. Who wants to be around people like that? It's fucking exhausting. It really is. And it needs to stop. And we need to really remind ourselves of the wonderful things that are being achieved in the West. Because I can tell you this, if you look, for instance, at, at, at where the future to shape or where the power to shape the future is coming from, it's all coming from China. And, and like my, fa- my, you, you know, my godfather was Chinese. Like I love China. I grew up eating Chinese food, Chinese friends, everything. I think it's great. I wanted to move there in the 90s because I figured, you know, the next big thing was going to be China and I didn't. But what I'm saying is that's a big separation between, between Chinese culture, Chinese people, Chinese values, and the same regime that within living memory in 1960 saw the death of over 40 million people in what was a completely controlled and contrived uh, humanitarian disaster of, of, of the Chinese famine. Like this was 1960. 1960, it's like loads of people remember 1960. I don't remember 1960, but like it's not like beyond the realm of, you know, my mother was, was, was 20 years old at that stage. In China, there was a famine that was a manufactured famine, and they believed that up to 40 million people died. That means the entire population of Ireland eight times over. Mm because of government policy back then. And, and it's a, it is still the same regime in charge and they mm. haven't changed. You mm, know, and, and that's the thing. If you can say, oh, well, you know, America had slavery. So now for they're, they're therefore racist in 2020, then why can you have communists who kill 40 million people in 1960 and suddenly they're okay today? Yes. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, comparatively speaking, we do live in a relatively situ- a civilized situation in the West. Having said that, and, and having said that, it's worthwhile remembering that, you know, America isn't above uh, criticism and there is, an, there, are, there is an awful lot going on there that we could be worried about. For example, reading in your notes, for example, I just can't help getting back to the racism aspect and the polarized nature of society and black against white and everything. I mean, you had a particular um, firsthand experience, didn't you, of, of a friend in Chicago who, who w- was shot? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a racist, it was basically a race-oriented uh, event. And it, it, in this case, it was the, the racism that doesn't hit the papers that much, which is black-on-white racism. And it definitely is a very real thing. Um, I think that there's a, a, a huge amount of discomfort when we speak about uh, race issues in America because really what it is and what gets exported is that the only race issue is when white policemen shoot black people. And the fact is that, you know, there's a huge amount of murder and death in the USA. I was talking to a friend in Chicago a couple, like like two weeks ago, 75 people were shot in one weekend. I think 11 were murdered. And and it is happening in black communities that are self-imploding. And, you know, if you think that that black on black crime doesn't matter, then you can't say black lives matter. If you think that, you know, young infants being blown away with shotguns is okay and you won't march for that, 
but you'll march about something as, as horrific as what, 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 what happened to George Floyd. And it was wrong and horrific. And, he, you know, in my mind, he, he was totally, you know, killed completely in the wrong. Like there's a total set of double standards. And I guess, Mario, that's the thing that always gets my goat when you say what boils me up. It's just we live in a world of endless double standards. And, you know, you can live with them because there's a whole area of psychology called cognitive dissonance where you can believe two completely contrasting things and comfortably hold it in your own head. I'm just saying that every now and then you've got to be aware of them and check your own nonsense. Mm. And, you know, I I have my own blind spots too. I'm the first to, to raise my hand and say that. But so much of what we talk about nowadays is no longer grounded in scientific fact. And you see that with... Uh, you know, the rights for trans people. You see that with attitudes towards lockdowns. You see it with Afghanistan. It's, it's in everything. There's all these like completely discorded beliefs and there's no one is meeting in the middle anymore. And you know what? As a, as a, as a, a firm centrist, that's the great tragedy of it. We're not having conversations. We just have grenade throwing competitions between people. And all that does is end up with, you know, obliteration and people even more ingrained in whatever they fucking believed the, when they walked into the room. Well, Carl, one of the things I've been talking to you for a few years about various different things. And uh, of course, I'm very familiar with you, uh, chatting to you and your body language, etc. And even now, as I look at you there, um, you remind me of my uncle, uh, Gabriel, because my uncle is kind of a professorial kind of character. And one of the things, and, and like a lot of professorial characters, he, he has a lot of ticks. Um, ticks and and he kind of grunts as well so he kind of mm, 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 and his lip quivers when he thinks and of course I've always associated with just being kind of a bit of a genius mind and of course you do that (laughs) as well and of course you do that as well but really the reason why the reason why you have so many ticks Carl is because you suffer from Tourette's syndrome isn't that right yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's my Except superpower. it's not your average Tourette's. It's your superpower. It's not your average Tourette's. It's not like fuck shit bollocks. Oh, okay, much is. <laughs> oh, it is. You, no, no, I I have I have bog standard Tourette's. You see, the thing that you're talking about, coprolalia, is actually one in two thousand of people with Tourette's. What's so coprolalia? Screaming like you know, hello, Father Father O'Brien. It was great to see a communion. Up oh, mine. Ah, oh, screw me, devil, Satan. You know, it's it's completely inappropriate uh, uh, expounding. So, yeah. Would you mind so, just they, throwing it in as a bit of um, content, comedy content for us anyway, um, Carl? Because people won't give out to me because I could go, are you slagging off Carl Dieter? He has a medical condition here. Oh, yeah. uh, so just do, uh, yeah, a, look. just do a few fuck shit wankers, will you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. And by the way, I just wanted to say hello, you know, to uh, to my mother. Mom, I jerk off every night. <laughs> you know, that that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that that people w- with coprolalia would do. They would they would make yeah. really inappropriate associations with other things, and then they feel a need to scream it. And that's mm. very rare within people with Tourette's. So I I I have Tourette's what a really good and- way to escape cancel culture, though. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it hasn't helped so far because I, 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 I still put my foot in it deep enough that no one looks over it. But uh, yeah, so when you say suffer from Tourette's, yeah, you, you get bullied. You know, people talk about you. It stopped me from getting mugged when I was catching the train late at night in downtown Chicago. How? People feel How? This up. Who's going to try and mug a guy who's sitting in the corner twitching away? You know, just like <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I'll give that one a fucking pass over. <laughs> Leave the Twitcher alone. <laughs> no, but it's just like there's clearly something wrong with him. He's broke. No, we're not not worth robbing. Or maybe like he's some kind of looper. But you could have been himself. a millionaire fintech Tourette's sufferer. Look, I, I'm I'm sure that there are millionaire fintech Tourette's people out there. <laughs> Hopefully, I will be one one day. But um, 
No, the uh, the whole thing with Tourette's, it comes with a host of other issues. You know, it, it can come with uh, attention deficit. It can come with obsessive compulsive disorders. But a lot of people in history actually had Tourette's. Like, like Mozart used to make barking sounds and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he was a genius. And there's there's a whole list of people who had Tourette's. But the obsessive compulsive piece, you spoke earlier about how I play music. I actually believe that, that my Tourette's is part of why I can be like a dog on a bone for just one thing for so long mm. and actually get further along with it than I, I otherwise might. Um, now, if it makes me seem smart, that's just a, a byproduct. Usually it makes you look weird. But the, 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 you know, that ability to just sit there fixated on something, it's, it's, it, it is a gift. And it is part of why. So you're, so you're saying one of the symptoms of your Tourette's is a kind of an obsessive compulsion to keep going and fasten, fasten on something. Is that right? Yeah, to try and, you know, just do it again, 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 until I'll get better at it. So like like playing music is one time where, where that really mm. kicks in and I will practice again and again. And you know something, it's it's not like related to this, but we're talking about everything. When I actually play music, it switches off. I've always wanted to know what the hell was going on with that. But when I, when I play music, I stop twitching. In fact, like if you look at my Twitter, uh, every now and then I put up like traditional Irish music, jigs and reels. Fuck, I don't twitch during any of it. Mm. It just flicks off. Okay, should um, we just get on some music while you're talking there now, so that you because yeah. you're really throwing me with your head, just going all over the place. <laughs> well, that's it. You try cycling down the street, looking over your shoulder the whole time. You know, it's, a, it's well, a, the other thing is your shoulders twitch a lot as well. So you actually look like a guy who does. No, but you're you look like a guy who's about to beat the shit out of somebody. You know the way the people go. I'm gonna fucking deal with you, man. When I get my fucking yeah, ex- yeah, except that I'm here on my own. It's going to be more like Fight Club. I'll just beat myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and and did you get but you got bullied a little bit in school was it ah yeah yeah well yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of kids grow up you, you know going through various struggles but you know for me in particular when i came to ireland i was like really dark i had a really um inappropriate uh racial slur of a nickname for a while because of that you know i, I was gangly you know big ears twitch like i i, I was i was a perfect <laughs> <laughs> i was i was a perfect recipient a perfect you know, a waiting receptacle of, of, of bits of abuse. But to be honest with you, you know, you get through some pretty dark times when you get bullied and it can be very difficult. And, and, and you know, you, you can be in a place where you just don't want to even be alive. But the one thing I would say, and I'd particularly encourage people if, if they are being bullied, find some way to deal with it. But when you come out the other side, you are literally made of steel. There mm. is almost nothing that makes me flap anymore. The whole world can fall down around me. And you know what? I know that I'll keep on going. You, and it's you, uh, so in that sense, it's a gift. One of the other um, one of the other topics I ask my guests about as well is, I mean, you're 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 a very th- thoughtful person, obviously, um, very hardworking, multifaceted, bit of a polymath. But when you're not like driving yourself and twitchy teching yourself into the ground and <laughs> um, and and let's say you want to go for something, let's say a comfort laugh or something that maybe, you know, you always rely on to go. Yeah, I always get a laugh about that, a kind of a comedic thing. Um you actually, you actually picked something that I haven't heard about for many years for this. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, and and by the way, can I add? I, I just want to give a congrats for for broaching the the Tourette's thing. You know, no one has ever actually had like a frank conversation with me about this in, in all of media. And I know, look, you. I mean, you, you introduced it well and fucking. But you must have been curious for a long time. But I know everybody else must have been too. And, and I would talk about it, but no one ever said it. So so fair play to you. Because, you know, 
it, it, it's cool. Like I'm still me. So if, if anyone ever wants to ask about that stuff or ask someone who has, you know, an eye missing or no arm or like part of being accepted is, yeah, we talk about that shit, you know, so uh, fair play to you. But when I need well, that's because I feel comfortable enough with you to be completely inappropriate. I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just do it to everybody I met. Um, but, uh, but I've, I've known you long enough and I know that you have a kind of a scope as well to, to, to take that on board and know that it's nothing to do with being personally offensive. It's to do with being curious about your condition yeah, and curious no, as to how it makes you tick. For giving the pun. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> now I know. Now I know why you get paid. You can just throw that stuff in there, like as it rolls off the tongue. I know how it makes you tick. My God, that was it. <laughs> that one sucks. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but yeah. So when I need some humor, I am actually a huge fan of of offensive humor, like, like, like of crude humor. I it tickles me, and uh, sometimes I turn back to a guy. I, I think he got run off the scene or broke down or what, whatever happened. You don't hear of him anymore but he was an East coast uh, comedian named Andrew Dice Clay. And he would come up with the worst <laughs> It was just for the time. Anyway, I mean, I think mm. the likes of Frankie Boyle and all have eclipsed him now, but he would just come up with some of the worst stuff ever. And just, just mic drop that stuff. And it would have me howling with laughter. So, uh, you know, sometimes if I'm in, you know, just having a bit of a day, I need to listen to something. I'd listen to him. Um, well, or well I'll stop you there, actually, Carl, because for those of you who don't know who Andrew Dice Clay is, um, I'm going to play you a clip now. But um, let's just let's just be safe in saying that he was when you say the words politically incorrect, <laughs> this human being may have been put on the earth to uh, define politically incorrect. This was a kind of as far as I remember, he was a kind of he, he was a character. Um, he came out as a character on stage and he posed as kind of this. Italian American sort of wise guy, tough guy who was basically racist, misanthropic, misogynistic, uh, homophobic, um, every you know politically incorrect and awful uh, moniker you could put on this guy. He represented in a comedy character. He was outrage on stage. He was pure outrage. Um, and so the best way of of actually uh, giving you a, a hint of his humor is to play you a bit. I've been smoking 15 years, my lung feels great. It's a beautiful thing, I jog five miles a day and smoke. I smoke when I'm banging a chick. Sometimes they get pissed off, the ashtray slips off their ass now and then. You give them a little sing, that's it, honey. Shake that fucking thing, you want me to call again? Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and whey. Long came a spidey, sat down beside, he said, hey, what's in the bowl, bitch? <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue, I'm a schizophrenic. So am I. <laughs> Jack and Jill went up the hill, both with a buck and a quarter. Jill came down with 250. They didn't go for no water. Was an old lady, lived in a shoe. She had so many kids, she didn't know what to do. So she started giving head. <laughs> Worked out. I mean, little Bo Peep lost a sheep. Big fucking deal. I lost my wallet. Nobody's talking about me. <laughs> Screw that sleazy hole already. <laughs> he was awful. 
<laughs> and um, uh, did you? What was it about him, um, uh, Carl? It was just the audacity, was it? It, it, it was. It was just. You see, like I love humor that goes to places where it. It, it, it just. It, it's like wow, that's really open your face, or, or or it gives you an answer you're not expecting. So like. I remember a different variation on one of the jokes he told there. And it was like, uh, it wasn't a woman, lived in a shoe, had so many children. Her uterus fell out. It was just like, oh, my God. It, it, like, you didn't expect that. And it was crude and it was wrong. And certainly mm. at the time, people weren't doing it. And the likes remember of what, him, I remember one, because I was like in my teens as well. And everybody, when we were teenagers, especially, it was such the wrong thing to do that we used to turn them on as well. The last one I remember was, three blind mice. Where the fuck are they going? <laughs> It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, yeah, little boy blue. He needed the money. Like it, it was just, it was all yeah. this stuff that was just, you know, the, at the time it wasn't there. And I guess you, you probably wouldn't get away with it nowadays. You know, not at all. But, but 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 there was a little bit of a nasty. There was a little bit of a nasty undercurrent to it, uh, Carl. And I don't mean the humor. I mean the kind of atmosphere that was created at his shows. Um, so I never went not, to one, so I don't know. I, I've, I've often seen them on 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 tape and stuff. So you just have a lot of fucking youngish, angry white guys who almost yeah. as if, almost as if they just want to get it off their chest to say the unsayable. Um, and uh, so there was a slight, there was it always seemed to me to be a slight reactionary um, uh, vibe uh, to his thing that he was yeah. almost pandering to. Um, there could be, but you know, I mean, like, like, I do you think that Jimmy Carr is any different? Is you know, is, is Frankie Boyle any different? Or you know, there, there's a lot of comedians, and and that's part of their kind of general shtick. Um, I, I guess though, as well, if you look at the well, you do raise an interesting point there. Sorry, you do raise an interesting point, and it is possible to say this. You, you, let's say, compare him with Jimmy Carr or Frankie Boyle. I think one of the one of the issues there you might be walking into, Carl, is that. If I'm, you know, if if I might venture, you might find that Frankie and Jimmy are seen to be on the right side. In other words, they can go there because they may have be seen or be presumed to have political beliefs, which falls into the, the broadly um, left, very left of center uh, kind of liberal uh, framework that kind of allows this. But and so they can go there. Because people know, oh yeah, but they're they're right on it. They're right on anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I you know I, I suppose when I listen to comedy, a, 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 another guy that I would have liked would have been Mitch Hedberg, and he mm-hmm. used to live with these like real quirky one-liners, you know, saying like, <clears throat> I don't know, rice is good when you're hungry and you want to eat two thousand or something. They were just like real non sequitur stuff. And I guess if something makes me laugh, I, I don't really care what, what what the person is like on their own. Like I'll put it to this way. If I had a heart problem and a heart surgeon came along and said, I'm actually a despicable person. I do all these things that are, are bad and wrong. And, you know, I wanted to tell you about that before I operate in your heart. I said, well, hold on. The pertinent thing is here is, are you good at the job? And if he says, well, yes, I'm actually the world's best. Now, the second best guy, he thinks all the right stuff, you know, and um, he's a member of all the right clubs and people love him. And he's kind and faithful and nothing like me. But, uh, you know, one in three of his patients die on the bench. I'd say, well, you know, I'll get you to, to do my thing. That's 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 the call I'm making. And I would apply that to comedy. I mean, if a comedian's job is to make you laugh, when they stop mm-hmm. being funny, freaking turn it off. Tune out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in fact, I think that people in general, if they cross the line too much, they will, unless you're in that kind of 
outrage space where mm. it becomes a product in and of itself. But like, I think that humor, for instance, we were laughing just two minutes ago about me having Tourette's mm. and you were able to make jokes about it and I'm laughing with you, you know, and that's like, you have to be able to laugh at that stuff because yeah. it is funny. You know, uh, well, it's uh, funny, uh, actually. I don't know what it's funny when I was doing the roast, actually. And Patrick would remember this as well. Um, I remember because watching the Paralympics now, actually, uh, Carl, I'm watching it, you know, watch it most nights. And uh, Joanne, Joanna Reardon and No Limbs, No Limits appears on the TV every night and uh, does a great job. And Joanne appeared, you know, on, on my show when we were doing the roast. And um, she really caught me once by asking me, like, uh, you know, why don't you ever take the piss out of me? You never take the piss out of me. I'd love you to take the piss out of me. It'd be a real honor if you took the piss out of me. And I ended up going on the li- going down the line of being Roy Keane, criticizing her. And I kind of just gambled. Anyway, Joanne loved it, the whole thing. And of course, the reason she loved it was because nobody had ever gone there before with us. And truly to feel truly included in things, you must have the piss ticket taken out of you as well. If you're if you don't have the piss taken out of you, you're ex- you're excluded, not included, um, because people love having the piss taken out of them because it makes them feel part of the group. Um, everybody else has the piss taken out of them. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 there is an element of that. You know, I, I, I used to live with a guy. Um, actually, if you ever want a fascinating story, my old roommate, his name was Archie, and uh, he used to stack shelves in Tesco. He was going to school at night and. Um, you know, he get racially abused walking home from Tesco every night. I uh, I caught up with him a while ago. He started a tech company, sold it for like well in excess of a hundred million dollars. He's just bought a a game reserve in Zimbabwe that's like fifty thousand acres or something. But amazing, came from nothing. But I would sometimes make jokes about him that would be you know racially motivated. Now he was my my roommate and you know and a, and a, a black man and a good guy, and he would make jokes about my Twitch. And there's an intimacy to it that my many twitches, I should say, yeah. but there was an intimacy to it that we knew because it came from a place of respect and love that that's okay. But like we've lost that. We've lost the ability to, to see the funny side of something and still see the human. And now it's just, we just see something is offensive and that person is a monster and you're the victim. And, and that's, I'm not the victim in this call. Like we're having, you know, we're having a nice chat here and I'm going to leave this, this, you know, podcasts haven't felt that it was a good time. Yeah. And, and I don't feel offended, but, but that's all there's something. Do you know what's gone? Carl? Do you know what's Carl? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I, I see where you're coming from. Do you know what's gone? It's the, it's the presumption of coming from a place of goodwill. That's gone. People, the benefit of the doubt is gone and the presumption that you're operating in good faith. That's gone. And that's, that's a shame. It is like, like I, I, I quite often try to think, if someone said something, what's what's the best possible meaning they could have? Now, I wouldn't always grant that, say, to to politicians or people say when I'm debating on the radio. And and you know, to be honest, when people see or hear me on stuff, I'm a lot different in those times than I am person to person. And and that's probably clear from this conversation. Um, but the uh, the whole thing is in regular life, you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt, and that's just absolutely has fizzled away. I don't know when, but I think in the last kind of five, six years, it's gotten a lot worse where there's just a presumption of you must insert worst possible outcome here because of insert whatever you just said here. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a divisive turn in events. And it, I think it comes from an increase in kind of a victimhood culture, 
uh, an increase in feeling that there's rights that don't come with responsibilities, freedoms that carry no obligations. And, um, you know, I, look, I think we'll all figure our way out eventually, but there is, we're, we're, we're in this transitionary period where I think people need in large groups to get upset and say, no, you know what? Enough is enough. Um, you know, we, we actually, we, we are allowed to make jokes about things. We are allowed to talk about, you know, uncomfortable topics that even raising them doesn't make it wrong. We are mm. allowed to have our views on, you know, what is and what isn't or what's acceptable to me. Like find someone in media who will come out on the side of anything that would be traditional morality with a really strong argument. And I'm not talking about thou shalt not kill, but you know, it, it just doesn't happen. There's a lot of self-censorship. And I think people need to get beyond that and start to do like what you're doing, which is, you know, take a risk, slag off the person that has no arms or legs. Don't do it because you hate them. You know, try and do it in a way that, that actually raises traditional good humor from it. Pull the piss out of the guy with the Tourette's, you know, I'll still be here tomorrow. And you haven't done something wrong. You've, you've actually expanded your, 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 well, I don't know if it's a repertoire you'll ever use again, but you've expanded your ability to find humor in, in, in a good way that people can laugh with you. And that Absolutely, Carl. You've better. given me, you've, you're going to be the inspiration to my next stage, stage show. <laughs> Misogyny, racism, and PC gone mad. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Now it's time for a short commercial break. You know by now that Curry's PC World stock world-class TVs and kitchen appliances, but you will also find a great range of laptops there in their stores nationwide too. And of course, at this time of year, laptops, well, they're a very precious commodity, as parents get their school and college-going kids all kitted out for the new academic year. But for some well-known parents, the pressure is on. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Primetime. Well, look... Back to school and college is causing panic, with a rush on quality laptops being reported all over the country. Fran has more details. That's right, Miriam. It's absolute bedlam out there. The market leader in the area, Curry's PC World, are saying their top-of-the-range laptops are going fast, literally disappearing off the shelves. With pupils and students heading back to college, Curry's are advising uh, people to get in there fast. Back to you, Miriam. Miriam? Miriam, where are you going? Hi, uh, am I too late? Welcome to Curry's PC World. How can I help you? I need 15 of your best laptops. Mm-hmm. Please tell me you have them. I'm sure we can help. So, what class do you uh, teach yourself? Uh, they're for my children. What? Genuinely. Back to school and college in style with Curry's PC World. So listen, get yourself down to Curry's PC World and check out the great range of laptops and special laptop promotions while there's still time. You talked about the possibility that you might be a millionaire fintech uh, with Tourette's suffering um, uh, side effects. But actually, that's not far from the truth, isn't it? Because recently you've set up a um, recently you've set up an app and the app helps people get mortgages. Is that right, Carl? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's called online application It's a real like Acme generic name because it, it, it's a white label solution. But what it does is it um, it allows customers to basically apply when you say customers do you mean normal people like regular regular mm-hmm. people yeah to to go on on their smartphone or tablet or computer or anything and basically make a mortgage application in just a couple of minutes and then actually go so far as to get like all the calculators for different lenders run and we have a new project coming out that's going to be given genuine approvals and principles for loans and basically go through on an end-to-end process much faster than it ever happened before 
and uh, and that's very revolutionary. So we got um, we got some support uh, from a group of investors last year. We raised a million euro. We were supported by Enterprise Ireland as well, who've been really great in that sense. And uh, you know, we we have a, a couple of banks on board in Ireland. We have most of the major mortgage brokers on board already. And we're hopefully going to go to America next. And yeah, I mean, if it works out, then I will be the the, the twitchy tech millionaire, or I might just be the, the 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 twitchy tech broke. You know, but look, the twitchy tech bit is definitely I've banked that already. The the end bit is the one I have to work on now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and this whole process, um, I you know, some people might think that setting up an app is as easy as I don't know, getting an old template from a computer and then throwing it on and it's up there. But apparently it was a hugely rigorous process and involves the raising of hundreds and thousands and as you said, million um, of Euro to try and get it going. Is, has that been a big journey for you, a big learning experience, a big pressure for you, a big, a big, yeah. So I, I suppose, your shoulders? yeah, yeah. What, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a stressful thing to, to, to do. And then when you've done it, then it's like a whole new set of stresses just kick in instead. So it's like, 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 you know, success is nice, but it's not easy, but failure is even harder. And so I'm haunted by the idea that, you know, we're doing something and maybe it maybe someone will come out tomorrow and be like, yeah, I actually did how to figure out how to do all that stuff that it took you so long to do. And I can do it in like two seconds, but you've got to live in a world where you, you compete knowing those risks. Mm. And my whole agenda is, um, you know, my, 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 I was saying before, my dad was a race car driver and he just always said, you know, keep an eye on your competition in the rear view mirror. And that's what I try and do. Just work harder, longer, figure out things, how to be faster, better. And, uh, and we're doing that, you know, and, and, like <clears throat> I wasn't gifted in, in, in school to where I ever would have been like a doctor or a lawyer or something. I was always good at figuring out how, like, how things work and how they fit together. And that's what we're doing now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're taking all these systems that don't mesh and we're finding out how to make them fit and push stuff through. So you, you create this like conveyor belt that gets someone a mortgage much faster than they ever could have done through any other way, but still get advice because it's open, like I said, to, to, you know, brokers, it's open to banks as well, but it's, it, it, it can also drive people down the, the, the road of, of, of getting financial advice and, um, and independent financial advice, I should say. And that's something that I think is a, is a wonderful thing. And if we can do that again and again and again, and make the process cheaper for everybody involved, then, you know, that's the win. And that's the stuff that, 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 the world wants that's the stuff that we want to deliver and uh it's it's incredibly exciting although also terrifying one of the things you're most interesting about carl um is housing and of course you've taught a lot about it and you've talked a lot about it what about you give me three things that you would do given the almighty hand of carl dieter housing god <laughs> housing god yeah, yeah. carl dieter has descended <laughs> on the planet what would happen that mary and pather the nurse and the guard could afford an affordable three-bedroom house in Dublin and people and everybody else like them could as well. Okay. Well, I, I suppose saying that you have to be able to afford a three-bed house in Dublin, I mean, I, I'm assuming that you have to be working. You have to like, there's a whole host of stuff that feeds into that. Yes. Okay. But what I would do is I would take the entire island of Ireland and I'd say, right, we are going to tax every square inch of this. Whether you're a farmer, I don't care. You're going to pay tax whether you own that land and it, it, you know you haven't used it in 10 years doesn't matter you're going to pay tax i would establish a tax on all land and land tax is like the, the longest running tax in the history of taxation and i would then also increase local property tax and with that money 
you would then have something where you could say, right, we're going to fund, this is now a fund that can be used for construction. But alongside of that, we're going to go after the biggest land hoarders in the country, which is the state. And time and again, the state hoards land for 50, 60 years at a time. Like developers might hoard for 10 years and then make out like a bandit, but the state can hoard for 50 years and pay no consequence of anything. I take all this land, I I get a cadaster or, or, or a good idea of where it is, what it is. And I'd say, okay, look, if we establish it, we want 15,000 houses in Ireland, whatever about what the developers are doing, we are going to rezone all this land. We're going to go in and give it outline planning permission for whatever number of units per hectare. And then we will sell it for you know a very cheap price, cheaper than the private development land, as long as you come in and you build at a certain price and, uh, and you also pass through the savings on the land onto the end user. And people then start clutching their pearls and, you know, going into into hyperventilation but you're you're getting rid of state land well look when the state holds land the income from that land is zero okay typically it's zero now you might have something like you know they hold dublin zoo and it makes money or, or or other things but but typically the state holds vacant land the income is zero but when you build houses on it you create a load of jobs that create tax and then you can tax it every year from now until eternity so you actually create future cash flows and I would make the whole thing dependent on saying we are going to create these future cash flows so that we can build houses in good times or bad so that, you know, if the IMF were in here again someday, we'd say, look, this this is already a project that's underway. We build houses with this money. But the, the underlying core argument, which makes all of this deeply unpopular, is my agenda and, and the only agenda that will, will unfortunately work is to lower everybody's house price. And when you talk about it in those terms, you may as well go in and crap in the milk. Yeah. Because no one, <laughs> no one wants to, no one wants that. Oh God, Carl. So, so really, that's a negative outlook then, a pessimistic it's, negative it's a, no, outlook. No, it's it's a, it's an exceptionally positive one because if we could actually embrace the tools, to if cure we this, could, then. But what I'm trying to say is, is if people understood the benefits that come with this, you know, it now means that your children are not debt debentured for the rest of their future. It means that you know that we have more housing stock so fewer people live in homelessness and live in bad situations it means we rebase the taxes that we pay and hopefully take them away from labor and onto wealth which is what people on the left say they want but then they vote against property taxes it really is it, 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 it's 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 an amazing uh situation to be in that people on the left of politics in ireland are really against property tax it's it's remarkable just from from that single perspective alone mm. but if you could reimagine a society that actually that works in a more fair and democratized way when it comes to the access to to land and and, and on the back of that then housing you actually have a, a country that you can really get behind and and want to be part of instead of being one of those you know begrudges we spoke about earlier who talks about not not being able to you know wait until they can get out of the place Carl, one of the things we do when I'm on the show or one of the things we do on this podcast is and um, we have some callers who have been listening in to our podcast as well. Would you mind taking any calls? Some live sure, calls? Sure, sure. Is that great? I think um, George Hook is uh, on the line. Do you know George? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know George. Say, say hello to him. George, how do you do? Yeah, how are you doing, Carl? Absolutely loving the conversation with Mario. I didn't realize you were a racist. <laughs> It's fantastic. Ah, <laughs> it's a so you had a black line. friend, did you? And you used to you call them names. Is that it? Brilliant. <laughs> I don't. 
you're absolutely perfect. You're a racist with Tourette's syndrome. I mean, I, God, I've set up a men's shed. And what we do is we bring some of the most right-wing people in the country and we have a quiet little a pint of ale every Wednesday night. At the moment, it's myself, Neil Francis, Kevin Myers and Johnny Waters. There's a little chair that's ready for you if you want it, Carl. And I never knew you loved Trump as well. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> where to start trying to reply to that. God, my cheeks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, George. That was George. He doesn't need a reply. Uh, Miriam O'Callaghan is on the line as well, Carl. Um, she was, she's been interesting, uh, interested in the conversation. Say hello to her. Uh, hey, Miriam. <laughs> Terrified. What's Miriam going to tell me? Hi, Carl. Hi. I'm genuinely delighted to talk to you. I know we've spoken to each other professionally once or twice, but I don't really know if you know, but I've actually put my house in Rathmines. I've taken it off the market again. It was 1.6 million. And I wanted to just find out how much I could afford on my next mortgage. Could you take me to the, I, maybe try out your app? Um, so listen, I earn, I think it's 292 grand a year. Um, and I think Steve earns 187. How much of a mortgage are we entitled to? And where would you advise that I buy? <laughs> that was actually a pretty good impression. Uh, or sorry, sorry, Miriam, of course. Impression? <laughs> yeah, sorry, of course. You can borrow whatever you want. Go wherever Don't you want. Don't get smart uh, with me, pig boy. <laughs> oh, my God. Right, Miriam, there's, no need to, there's no need to get abusive, Miriam. Uh, Matt Cooper's on the line as well, Carl. <laughs> Oh, good old Matt. Yeah, go on. Hi, Carl. Great, <laughs> great conversation with Mario there. Um, listen, the whole thing with Tourette's went very well. Do you mind if um I do half an hour with you on Tourette's? <laughs> could you do um, could you do culture file as with with just to say a few courses and stuff, and we'll get away with it. Because yeah, nobody yeah. will will slag you off. You see, so maybe stand in for the last word and tell Cal Thomas to fuck himself. Thanks, Matt. That's great. Oh my god! <laughs> Listen, there's a few other people, but like, but the, 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 you don't really need to reply to them, Carl. All right. It's been brilliant, Carl Dieter. <coughs> listen, Carl. Um, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? No, but uh, if uh, you don't, <laughs> no, just to uh, I don't know, just throwing up. Fuck you, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we leave it there. What a perfect way to go out. <laughs> Carl Dieter, thank you very much. <laughs> and my thanks, as always, to Carl Dieter um, for sitting down and having a chat with me. Thanks again to Curry's PC World for their ongoing support. Uh, remember, you can email me, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all. Um, I'm on Twitter, at GiftGrubMario. Hit me up there. I'm on Facebook, Mario Rosenstock. And um, please, give us a review and rate us.